This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. We had Shawn Michaels, WWE legend, on earlier in this show. Still can't quite believe I'm saying that. It's a real pleasure for me to welcome this man to the conversation now because when we talk communications and when you think of where the world is at right now, more than ever before, communication is absolutely pivotal. It is vital. And this is a man who knows a thing or two when it comes to communications at the top level of sport. He spent 17 years at the English Football Association, group communications director. He moved on then to Club England managing director that's, that actually saw him responsible for all operational management of 24 England national teams he is a sport and media consultant he's worked with a raft of clubs over there in the UK it is Adrian Bevington and he joins us now live on the line a good afternoon to you Adrian first and foremost Good afternoon, and thank you for that wonderful build-up. Yeah, I was wondering uh, who we were talking about. Uh, for a minute. I'm knackered just saying that. You're following in Shawn Michaels' <laughs> footsteps, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, you are. I never did I think I would follow in that career. <laughs> listen, Adrian, listen, I guess first and foremost, my man, how are you? Because these are, and Robbie hates me using this word, but I will say it for the last time this evening, these are unprecedented times. How are you bearing up? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm safe, and so is my family. And that's the most important thing at this time, obviously, because, you know, while there's a lot of mental challenges going on on a day-to-day basis just to keep yourself motivated and get through this period, the most important thing is your well-being. And unfortunately for a lot of other people, we appreciate it's not the case. So I'm well, thank you. Let's talk football, and and that's, I guess, why you're on. And we'll get to your career a little bit. And, of course, we are going to be involved in a conversation that we will promote a little later. But when we look at football, now, again, I don't want to over-dramatise this because whilst we are aware there are more important things in life right now than sport, than football, that being said, Adrian, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, that put a lot of stock into sport. It is a form of entertainment, as we know. It's a form of escapism. Football moving forward as you know it, what do you expect to come over the coming weeks and months? And where does football go from here? Well, you're right. Obviously, football is secondary to what the bigger issue is at the moment. But you're also correct, in my opinion, that football sport has a massive role to play in society in a positive way. It motivates people. It lifts people. It gives people a purpose uh, and a sense of belonging. So... The sooner that we can have sport being played in a safe environment for everybody, the better. I've uh, been a big meeting today over in uh, Neon Geneva uh, of UEFA's executive committee. Um, well, certainly people dialing in, I guess, rather than sitting around yeah. the table. Uh, well, uh, they've obviously looked at how seasons uh, can be concluded. Still very clear to me the noise coming out from UEFA's executive committee that they, they want a sporting conclusion to the end of the season rather than seasons being null and voided wherever possible. Um, Lots of responsibility being uh, put back on the uh, shoulders of the national associations uh, to try and find the, uh, explore all possibilities, maybe even a playoff scenario if if fixtures can't be fulfilled within a a certain time framework. Um, But more importantly, to to have a, you know, a, a sporting merit resolution to how people qualify for the European campaigns next season. Do you think, Adrian, that that's what will happen? Do you think that when the dust is settled, I don't know how, and we none of us know how this will evolve and play out in its entirety, but when the next season is ready to begin, do you think we will have had 
satisfactory conclusions to the unfinished seasons in the major leagues in Europe? And more to the point, what will have happened to the Champions League, in your opinion, in the Europa League as well? Yeah, I mean, look, how satisfactory they will be is a really good question. Um, you know, I think it's a kind of trying to make things work with the variables that everybody's been handed at the moment. There's obviously been a lot of work been going on behind the scenes over the past five, six weeks since UEFA's first statement on that, and also within every domestic country as well. And it's an unenviable task at the moment for anybody who's charged with the responsibility of finding those solutions in these uh, uncharted waters. But I do, I do expect... Um, you know, conclusions to be realised. Obviously, in some countries, we've already seen championships awarded, or we've seen you know the the, the freezing of leagues uh, as they currently are. Um, I do think that people have been smart by not putting you know fixed deadlines still at this particular moment because look, we still don't know uh, where this ep epidemic will actually you know conclude. It's interesting to see that Germany. The chief executive of the Bundesliga has been really uh, vociferous today, saying that they're ready to go as soon as they get the clearance from the German government. And I think they're talking about the first or second week of May to get moving again with Bundesliga there. Uh, we're not seeing quite so uh, strong comments coming out of the UK yet, but I guess we're a little bit behind them in the in the curve uh, you know, with COVID at the moment. So I want to see, and I think everybody would like ideally to see some kind of natural conclusion played out but when that can be whether that's behind closed doors or whether it's in front of a crowd you know I think they're still very big questions at this particular juncture So Adrian that's the kind of hearing now that is about football in the next coming days and weeks I want to widen this conversation out a little bit because there'll be a lot of people listening to this that will say that football morally ethically bankrupt that the working man and woman has been priced out of football for too long that this is a potential moment in time that football can hit the reset button I was interested to read comments from Brett Gosper head of world rugby in which he said said that rugby will look at this time to do a deep and almost a cleansing, if you will, to hit that reset button. You're a man that's worked at the highest echelons of football. You have been in the corridors of power. Is this football's time to hit that reset button? And if so, what does football look like moving forward? I certainly hope it's time for football to, to, to really give a self-assessment of itself and reset, as, as you've just said there. It's a phrase I've used a lot myself. This is the perfect opportunity in adverse circumstances to look at how we position ourselves as a business, how we communicate with the fans around the world, you know, how the game is broadcast. You know, everything um, should be analysed during this period to make sure that we're doing as much as we possibly can uh, to work as a product that, that benefits everybody else. Look, football is a wonderful product. I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that it's watched by more people than ever before. You know, the way it is broadcast is absolutely fantastic. It is a leading sport and it generates billions of pounds that go back into national um, treasury pots as well, which shouldn't be under, yeah. underestimated. But I do think the most important piece coming out of this is that football as a sport has real empathy with the public mood in the individual nations. And people will be suffering coming out of this process, whether it be through losing loved ones or perhaps economically because of the challenges that you know were likely to be faced in certain parts of the world on that front. 
and football needs to chime absolutely closely with the mood of nations in that regard. Otherwise, it can find itself very quickly offside. Yeah, if you're looking, Adrian, at uh, you know doing a whole sort of root and branch investigation on football and. You know, when, when we have time to reflect, when there's no live sport and you look back on the storylines that, that right journalists have been talking about, that media and people who love the game have been talking about, it's not been a great year when it comes to racism in football. There's been a lot of stories coming out of Europe, some stories coming out of the UK. You look at money in football. Sometimes, you know, you look at transfer fees and how much money agents are making. And it's all a little bit unpalatable when you consider that the world is in, or at least going into going, going to be this sort of global recession. So there's very things, even something relatively trivial like VAR, it might be time to sort of have a little bit of a reset and look at it and has it really worked? Does society change well, football think, in your opinion or will football have to, to change itself? Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, I, I, look, I think it's important to, to, to stress again that football generally is something that is well managed and well structured um, primarily across the world. You know, there are there are issues that can be looked at closely. Obviously, the amount of money that is spent in the game, particularly on transfer fees, is something that is always going to raise eyebrows and provoke debate. But there's also massive revenues that are brought into the game through the way that the game markets itself and the game, the way that the game is watched as well. And it's getting that balance right so that the product is not watered down. The quality remains. The development of our players across the globe continues to be invested in so that we end up having these wonderfully talented athletes they have to also ensure that they're being paid their value you know as they are in other sports particularly the north american sports where you know they don't earn anywhere near as much as those athletes however it's getting the bounce right there and you know people always question agents fees they question salaries they question transfer fees and i think that's something that just has to be looked at i might add I've worked in football for a lot of years myself. Yeah. My experience of dealing with agents, um, despite you know the perception that's out there, I've enjoyed a very uh, positive um, experience in the main with dealing with agents, just the same as I've done so dealing with journalists. So there's the, the, the good, bad, and indifferent in every type of um, profession that you experience. Can I ask this question, Adrian? They, they often say when I was growing up, and I think it's been lost a little bit, I know with the onset of social media, it's almost the players now that govern. When a player moves, a Paul Pogba, a Cristiano Ronaldo, legions of fans go with them. But when I was growing up, it was always there is no player bigger than a football club. And that leads itself nicely to the question of salary caps. Because, you know, no one wants to see... We saw a few months back Bury, a proud club in the UK because of mismanagement. I'm not going to get into that now. But in terms of salary caps, you're absolutely right. These players deserve the opportunity to earn what they can get. But equally, surely is an ongoing concern. More importantly, it's about having football clubs that last 10, 20, 40 years because they are built in families. I think back to you know friends of mine who have supported the same club through generations. Is salary caps at the lower level, would you be in favour of that? It's something that's being looked at undoubtedly and my preference is not to have a cap if we could avoid that and rather have sensible measures around it that still allow for competitiveness but also more about how much of a turnover clubs actually spend on their you know on their wages I mean we have a lot of FFP financial fair play rules as it stands in in England um, but I, I think that needs to be looked at a lot more closely. I think what you say there about the 
the clubs and their longevity and the importance of clubs within communities is crucial. And yes, it's important that players can earn their, their worth, their value, but it shouldn't be to the detriment of, of the clubs that are central to the communities. Without a football club in a community, a club, a, a town, um, you know, small towns and cities can actually lose a lot of what they're all about. You know, and we have to do all we can. With in England, we bring in I think it's nine point two billion pounds comes into the Premier League over three years into the broadcast deal, domestic and overseas, and yet we're seeing clubs, you know, go to the wall. Now, if it's clubs going to the wall because of gross mismanagement, that can't be the responsibility of of no. other organisations elsewhere. That's fair. But if it's down to the fact of the challenges that COVID-19 have presented, I think football as a collective has to try and find a way by coming together to protect the longevity of those clubs so that you know the clubs the clubs will be there long-term. They generate players. They're at the heart of the communities. And also that the, the players themselves who don't earn huge amounts of money once you go down the pyramid are protected too. Yeah, you're right. You speak a lot of sense there, Adrian. Last one from me, and I know we're going to be joining, uh, you're going to be joining me in a webinar uh, a little later uh, next week, in actual fact, Tuesday, and I'll give the details on that in just a second. Before we let you go, though, I just want to pick your brains if I can, because, of course, you were Group Communications Director at the English FA, 17 years you spent with the English FA. When I get your thoughts, how do you feel that football clubs have managed this particular situation with their messaging? And I think back to Liverpool, I think back to Spurs who were quick to come on and say we're furloughing staff and then quickly perform a U-turn have you been impressed with how clubs have gone about communicating with their fans I think there's been different standards applied right across Europe you know one club that springs to mind immediately and one individual that springs to mind who has been outstanding through this process um, is Paul Barber the chief executive of Brighton I think Paul has been highly visible I think he's been really open with his communication. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to agree with every word he said, but he's tried to put the different options out there and the different challenges that are facing his football club and the game as a whole, particularly at the Premier League. Um, they've, done, they've been creative with some of the content. You know, they've had these um, press conferences with him and the, the manager, Graham Potter, obviously not in the same place, but virtually. And I just think the way that they, they've gone about their community work has been outstanding too. To be fair, there's been so many cases of outstanding community work right across football that deserves a lot of praise and just shows the value of the clubs in those communities. I think the piece about uh, when when clubs were very quick to start furloughing people at the highest level, I think that really missed where the, where the mood music was at that particular moment and I was I was pleased to see them rectify that soon afterwards. Yeah, you're not wrong, Adrian. Listen, we'll be delving into these topics in a lot more detail and a lot more besides on Tuesday, 2pm. That is a webinar with myself, Chris McCarty, Adrian Bevington, and we'll give you the details of how you can get involved in that in just a moment. And final one, and then I promise we'll let you go, Adrian. You enjoyed your time at the FA because you worked with some fine managers during your years there. I'm working for the FA and I was very proud to work for the FA. Um, it's a great organisation, often maligned uh, for people who don't necessarily fully understand it, but it does so much good. And I was very privileged to work with some wonderful people behind the scenes and obviously some of the more well-known high-profile managers and coaches, you know, none better than the person who's the current England senior men's manager in Gareth Southgate. 
Brilliant stuff, Adrian. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on Off Script Extra Time this evening or this afternoon, I guess, for you. And we hope that football does move in the right direction and that, yes, we can conclude the overhanging season, but also that the game can emerge, hopefully, in a better shape and a better place than it was before the coronavirus pandemic hit. But listen, thanks very much, Adrian. And we're going to put the word out about the webinar this coming Tuesday as well. Thanks very much, chaps, and uh, look forward to Tuesday. Top stuff. The voice of Adrian Bevington, a man who knows what he's talking about. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.